So I, I got to tell you guys a, a story. So back in, I believe it was 2004, and, and shut up, you're all, you were all alive back then. Um, back in 2004, uh, basically I was a youth pastor at a church, and I was trying to, you know, navigate dating and all that kind of stuff, and Christian Mingle uh, had just come out. Um, actually, no, eHarmony, sorry, eHarmony, Christian Mingle was not out yet. eHarmony had just come out, and they were offering this deal, and I was like, why not, you know, why not? So I signed up, it was like this three-month deal, and then I got depressed real quick because nobody was matched with me. Uh, <laughs> funny side of it, my wife and I were both on eHarmony at the same time, and we weren't matched. Um, actually, her best friend was matched with me, which was kind of funny. Uh, so... <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I went on eHarmony, and it took like three weeks for me to even get matched with anybody. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then the person that it matched me with, I remember looking at it, and it said on her profile, it said, I don't, I'm not paying for this profile. Uh, if you want to talk to me, uh, message me at this email. And I was like, wow, that's a smart move. Instead of paying for it, I'll just email you, and this will be good. And I looked at her picture. Her picture looked good, all that kind of stuff. She lived close by. And so I emailed her, and we started talking back and forth. We started texting back and forth. Uh, we ended up calling, going on a date. And so I'm kind of nervous about it because, guys, this is, this is like the first and the beginning of online dating. Like, this was not a normal thing. I remember telling the other pastors, and they're like, are you okay? Like, is there something we don't know? Are you really that desperate? And so I, I decided to do that. And so I get in my truck and I head over to downtown, which is where she lived. And she's like, I'll meet you at the bottom of my apartment complex. And so I drive up and I, and I drive around and I don't see her. I'm like, man, I'm going to be the first guy in online dating to be stood up. Like, this is messed up. Like, catfishing had not existed yet. Like, nobody was doing that, but I figured that was happening. I'm, like, circling the building. I circled the building about five times, and I finally just call her. I was like, hey, um, I, are you here? Like, please tell me you exist, or somebody's going to make fun of me, or I'm just going to have to go over to McDonald's and chill for a while, then go back and say it was a bad date so no one makes fun of me. And she's like, yes. I said, what are you wearing? And she told me what she was wearing. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. So I pull around, and I see a girl that's been there the whole time. And I pull up, and I see her, and I see what she's wearing, which is what she says, but she looks nothing <laughs> like her profile picture. And, and here's, here's the deal. I'm not saying, it's not that she was ugly. It just, it was different. And this wasn't, this was not a time when you could, like, everyone had the ability to put on filters and all this kind of stuff. Like, if you wanted to do something with your picture, you used MS Paint. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not working well. And I pulled over. I'm like, hey. And I said her name. And she's like, yeah, that's me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I remember she got in in the truck, and I'm like, okay, so we, we go to eat downtown, and I'm just feeling weird about it. Like, I keep my phone out because I'm expecting someone else to call and be like, hey, where are you? I've been standing here. Or someone to call me and say, like, hey, guess what? Someone just got murdered. I think it's the girl that you're supposed to be with, and she switched out her outfit. Like, I'm just, it was throwing me off. Like, I could not, like, I was trying to figure it out. Like, it wasn't that she was a nice person. I'm just sitting there looking at her, and I'm going, this is not at all, that person. And I remember dropping her off and going back and just thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I never ended up texting her or calling her back because it was just, it freaked me out. Like it absolutely freaked me out. And it was weird. Like a couple months later, she sent an email and said, hey, uh, I noticed we haven't talked. I guess it's both our faults and blah, blah. I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. Here, here's the problem. The reason I didn't find her why is because I didn't know what she looked like. 
I thought I knew what she looked like, but she definitely didn't look that way. And, here, and here's what we know in life. It's hard to find something if you don't know what it looks like. Or you think or believe that it looks like something else that you've been told your whole life. And, and here's what I want you guys to understand what we're talking about today. I believe this. I believe many of you, the love that you're looking for, the love that you believe is supposed to be in marriage is an absolute fake love that doesn't exist. And if you do find that idea, if you find that idea of that fantasy love, it actually doesn't go to something that's good. It ends up going to something that's more like pain. And what you do is you look out and you believe maybe, just maybe, I will find that person. But then you continue to find these people, but it's not leading to the right kind of love. And you're like, what's going on? And so you look at your life and you're like, well, how do I understand love? And when you look at how culture has defined love, it's very different. When you look at social media, it kills me when people are in the wrong type of relationship and they post all those posts. It's like, love is just love. Like, it doesn't matter if everybody hates him. I love him. Like, no, shut up. No. Like, that's a bad idea. And you, you see that way. You see it in culture. You see it in songs. You see it in social media. You see it in romantic novels, which are awful. And all of these things, and you think this is what love is. But here's the problem. Here's what happens. If we continue to think that is love, all it does is continue us continue to send us back to the same type of relationships that seem good for a while, but end up in pain. There's a verse for this, and you're going to be like, this, this is very harsh verse, but let me just say it. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Let me just ask you this. Do you keep dating the same vomit? But here's my question. You keep doing it, but every time you go, well, it's just not the right vomit. It's a different, like, that, they were just that. There's something there. And we talked about it last week, right? We talked about they're not, there is not just that one person. And th this idea of romantic love, really, I told you guys this, this last week, it all started in about the 60s and 70s. It's all started in the 60s and 70s. And before that, people were either set up by their parents or when they were ready to get married, they married somebody within like a five-mile radius, it's like, I'm just going to pick whoever is my age at that time. But then all of a sudden, you had this sexual revolution that happened. You had birth, birth control come along. You had Playboy. You had all these things that led to where we are now. And what's funny is we look at love, and we look back at the way they did it, and we, we almost cock, like very cocky, go, we're better at it than they are. Like what they had wasn't real. And we decide that everything that they had was something that wasn't worth having. But here's what's interesting. You know the generation that started this idea of romantic love being the big thing? It was boomers. It was boomers. Guess who has the worst divorce rate? Boomers. They're awful. Like literally, if you take them out of the divorce rate, it goes down drastically. Because they are the ones that are getting married on top of married. And many of you in here, you in here especially if you are um, Generation Z or millennial, your parents were boomers. And they've been married multiple times. It's because they started this idea of what I'm looking for is this romantic love without this idea that love is something more. And I think we've latched on this version of love that just leads to pain and disappointment over and over again. The problem is when we ask people that have found love, we ask them this question, right? We go, well, how did you know, right? How did you know when they were the one? And what do they tell you? It's the worst information ever. I just knew. You'll just know, right? Like, that's an awful answer. Like, what am I supposed to feel? Like, I, I will just know about that. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the way we search for people is like going to Target, okay? 
Some of you girls know exactly where I'm going with this. You're like, I have free time. I'm going to stop in at Target. And what happens? Like, I will go to Target with my wife. I have an idea. I know exactly what I need. I need deodorant. That's where I go. I go get it. I'm like, hey, babe, what do you need? I don't know. I'll just kind of look around. <laughs> How do you know when you found it? I just will know. <laughs> and what do you do? You buy all kinds of stuff you don't need. Look, listen to this. Some of you date that way. All right? You don't know what you're looking for, so you're just sampling everything, and you're like, I'll just figure it out when it happens. So our problem today is the fact that we have no idea what we're looking for. What if we could know that? And here's the question that I ask you, and I've talked about this many times. What or who has defined love for you? Like when you really look at the way you think about love, the way you think about relationships, the way you think about marriage, who has defined that for you? Like is it, is it the T, I mean, is it movies? Is it TV? Is it social media? Is it your friends that are in the same boat as you, but for some reason you listen to them and yet they're not married? Is it your parents that are mad about it? Like, who is defining this for you? Is it Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively? Like, is that what it is? Look, here's the deal. We don't know how good their relationship is. We just like it when two pretty people get together. Let's just be honest. It's like, oh, they're going to have pretty kids. It's going to be great. And he's funny. That's perfect. But we don't know what we're actually looking for. I hear people say this, and this drives me crazy. I want what I saw in the notebook. Really? You want to get dementia and then make your husband come and see you? <laughs> every day, spend five hours every day retelling your story, and maybe you'll come back, and the rest of the time he has to spend his time being lonely? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right? But we do. We look at these things, and what's crazy, Nicholas Sparks has gotten into more... <laughs> divorces than anybody in this room. Like, and yet we look to him for what it means to be, have love. And here's the truth, guys. When we look at love and we look at this fantasy idea of love, all that type of love, here's what it always is. It's selfish. It's selfish. And for many of us, here's what it is. It's that crazy love. Like when you ask somebody what they're looking for, man, I want that, I want that love. Like it's like we're in a fight one time, and then we're having sex the next time. We're yelling at each other, and then we're making out, right? I, I want the one where it's like it's going crazy, and then all of a sudden, I'm not even going to go into it. Like, it's that idea, like, I want to be yelling at him, and he just grabs my face and kisses me. Look, that doesn't work. All right? Maybe it works if you're Ryan Gosling level, but I've tried it three different times, and my wife every time was, like, pissed off. I just may not be good looking enough. And I understand that. That's fine. That's where I am. But we had this idea. Here's what's crazy. Guys, that entire idea of this drama-seeking mentality in all of your relationships, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like every time your relationship gets okay, you cause drama. Or you're with somebody that every time everything feels okay, all of a sudden something happens. You're like, wait, what happened? And you're not sure. So many people are going after this right now because that's what they're seeing on TV. They've even developed tests for it. Like psychiatrists have developed tests to figure out if you are one of those people because that drama-seeking idea, all it does is hurt other people. In fact, what they said, I was looking online, and they said the drama-seeking mentality is three major things, manipulation, narcissism, and control. The idea that I'm going to manipulate your mood right now by creating drama, it's narcissism because oh, the drama is about who? It's about me, and then I'm going to control you where you're at. And we get in these cycles, and we do this, and here's what's interesting. When they do the test, we, we always think this, oh, when we think about drama, what do we think about? We think about women. There's just as many men who create that drama as women. Just as many. And so we continue to go into this idea. Here's the problem. None of that is love. 
None of that is love, but we do. We want what we see on TV. We want something that people would want to videotape, like, and go, oh, that would be a great show. Their love is insane. Here's the truth, and you're not going to like this. Real love, like good love, is a little bit boring, right? Nobody wants to see a couple getting along, right? If there was a show and the family got along, they loved their kids, and everything went okay, and they went to church, would we watch it? No, we wouldn't. We'd be like, hey, when are they going to start yelling? Like, when's he going to say something stupid, which every man does, but... Like, when is that going to happen? I mean, here's the problem. There's never going to be a show or a movie about a guy who sees his wife that's incredibly tired, and so he decides to do the dishes for her. And then when he walks back over to her, she's so tired that she has fallen asleep. So he doesn't actually nudge her and say, hey, I just did the dishes. What's going on? (laughs) Nobody's making a movie about that. Nobody's making a movie about a husband that just cares for his wife. But that's what we see all the time. And guys, if you're not careful, that is what you will seek with those around you. And here's the problem. We put, we put way too much stock in the sex. I don't want to go into this too much. I'm actually going to talk about this in another message. We put way too much stock in the sex and to what it actually is. Here, here's the truth, guys. I, when I got married, I, I think along the lines that many of you did. I just thought we'd just be naked all the time. We'd just look across at each other and be like, how you doing? And just, it'd be awesome. <laughs> like, that's the way that it would work. But here's, here's the stats. A couple that has a lot of sex, a lot of sex, has 3,240 minutes a year, okay? That comes down to nine minutes a day, which some of the guys are like, wow, that sounds awesome, twice. Um, <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. What that comes out to is this. It's 0.6% of your time. 0.6% of your time. And I can hear every man in this room. He's like, well, that's your marriage. <laughs> Mine's going to be all right. No. <laughs> it's called getting older. It happens. It's called having a life and kids stress you out. Like, it, that, that's what's going on. And so this idea, it's like, here's what's crazy. But how many people around you do you see in relationships and getting married because the sex is good? And we're like, oh, the sex is good. We're compatible that way. Like that matters that much. I mean, imagine getting married with someone because they're good at 0.6 of a relationship. 0.6. Stop. I can still hear it, guys. Oh, it's not going to be me. It's not, it is going to be you. <laughs> but imagine that. But that's what we do. It's a fraction of what marriage is. In fact, marriage, is, marriage actually looks very different. It's not about sex. It's about service. And there is... There are some verses that get taken the wrong way, and I'm going to explain them to you so that women don't get mad at it because it's been used against women many times. But I'm going to read these verses in Ephesians 5, 21 to 22 and 25. Now, verse 21 is the verse that always gets left out. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So who's submitting? Both. Guy and girl. Well, we tend to leave that out, and we just focus on verse 22. Then it says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. Is he asking them to do anything he didn't just ask the men to do? No, he's not, okay? He's saying both of you submit. And here's what's interesting. At this time, when Paul's saying this, all the women are going, yeah, that's what we already knew. 
Like this is what we're supposed to do. But what Paul does is he goes, okay, guys, here's the deal. Because you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family, you are required to be more. And so in verse 25, it says this. It says, for husband, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. What did he do? He sacrificed for her. He served her. Did Christ wait for everyone else to get perfect before he loved them? No. He sacrificed first. So as a man, what it means to be the spiritual leader on your family, which is more, is that you are supposed to set the example and sacrifice for everyone else. Okay? So hear this. Hear this. Women, so many times we look at this and we hate the word submit. Think of it as this. Don't even use the word submit. Think of it as this way. Use the word serve. We were supposed to serve one another. And men, we're supposed to go first. Okay? We're supposed to go first. It's mutual submission, and it's men starting and setting the example. See, when you look at marriage in the Bible, it's what? It's about service, but in fantasy, what? It's about the way that you feel. And you'll hear people ask this question, like, what, what makes you love that person so much? Like, what, why do you like that person so much? I've even asked people that are getting married, what attracts you to them? And what they say is this. They say, it's because of the way they make me feel. So the best thing about them is about you. So what happens when they can't make you feel that way anymore? So what happens when the feelings change? See, when we look at this fantasy world, it's all about what you can give me, what you can bring to me. And we know this. Love is not about a feeling. Love is about service. Do you always want to serve? No, you don't. That's why people, you hear people say love is a choice. Because it's a choice every morning for me to get up and decide I'm going to serve my wife. And it's a choice every morning for her to get up and decide to serve me. And here's the deal. If love is a feeling, if we we have this idea that love is a feeling, then it's about using others. If love is a feeling, it's about using others. Why? Because I am using them to feel that way. It's almost like a drug. It's this idea. What do we do? We use people to feel a certain way. We get addicted to that. What does addiction always end in? Hurt and pain. Right? When you look at relationships around you and relationships you've been in, if you're looking for that feeling, we use people, and then it always ends in pain. Hear this. People who love serve. People who love serve. And I know right now some of you are already like, you're, 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 I'm losing you because you're like, this doesn't sound like love. Like, no, people who love serve. You want to have someone that looks like God? You want to have someone that looks like Jesus? You want to have a godly man or a godly woman? Look for someone who looks to serve God. And here's the deal. They serve God and they serve them around you. I, I need you to get, this, to get this and understand this. If the only person they serve is you, it isn't service. They're using you. Okay? Because if the only person they serve is you, normally that means they're serving you to get something from you. Okay? So if they're not serving their family, their church, and people around them, they are selfish people who will use you and put you aside the moment you stop allowing them to feel that way. Please hear that. It's not that they are just someone who will serve you. They are someone that has a servant's heart. Now, I want to share a verse that you see so often. It's almost in every single marriage ceremony that I've done. We've heard it so many times, but I want to go through it again. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. It says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. 
It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Here's what's so interesting to me. About 90% of people will put this in their wedding, but none of them are using it as criteria to find the person to marry. As if, as if saying the vows, saying this verse, all of a sudden makes somebody patient and kind. All of a sudden, when they marry you and you are able to love them fully, they will turn into this. Listen to me, that does not happen. That does not happen. If you are looking for someone who truly loves God, this is what we should be looking for. This is what real love looks for. Notice this. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say love is based on what he does for a living or how tall he is or that whether or not they're a virgin or what they look like, right? It doesn't say that. It says these things. And let me just say this. If you married anyone that lined up with what's on this list, you would have an incredible marriage. Married anyone, but how, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about attraction? Look, I've heard some pastors say attraction doesn't matter at all. I think attraction matters, but there's a difference between attraction and animal lust. Most of us, that's what we want, right? We want somebody, and I've heard people say, I just want somebody that I just want to rip off their clothes, like all that, like, yeah, which is great, 0.6% of the marriage. And here's what's crazy. If someone shows that and they're just a little bit attractive, it's amazing how attractive they become because what are they doing? They're showing who God is. I'm losing so many of you right now. And I've said this before, just because something makes you uncomfortable or you don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. Okay? Just because you're not agreeing with what I'm saying right now doesn't mean it's not true. And here's what I expect. I don't expect you just to listen and take it all in. I expect you to wrestle with it and think about it and look at what's going on. And so in, in light of that, I, I want to talk about something that everyone asked me about with dating apps. Like, is it okay to use dating apps? I'm not against dating apps at all. But my question is this, what are you using them for? Because I've seen many different reasons. I've seen a lot of people use them just for the high of someone liking them. And what I've seen many times is girls and guys who tend to go from boyfriend or girlfriend to boyfriend and girlfriend have a little bit of a break. They feel down. They realize there's something that's hurting inside of them that actually needs healing. And God's going, hey, come to me right now. But what they do is they pull out the app, look at these people online, people like them, and they feel okay in that moment. Gives them that little bit of a high. Okay? And the second thing is this. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay to use them as long as Okay? As long as your standards don't change based on the time of night. Oh, yeah, I just hit, yeah. Based on the time of night, how lonely you are, or how long it's been since you've dated last, and how drunk you are. So listen to me. If you can keep those standards, and you use it to find the right person and you do it the right way, that's fine. But if you're using it as just a way to feel good about yourself because someone clicked on your photo, that is a dangerous thing to be involved in. It's a very addictive deal. 
See, John 15, 13 says that this says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There's no greater love. What he's saying, the greatest love in the world that we've ever seen was service, right? It was sacrifice. If God was the author of love and he has created it for us, why are we deciding it's something different than what he's saying in every single part of the Bible? See, we've got to get to a point where we stop looking at relationships and thinking, what's in it for me? See, when we're thinking what's in it for me, that is the opposite of what God has. And here's what's interesting. I'll tell you this. The longer I've been married, the more I tell people, the shorter the list it needs to be for who they should be looking for. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you have insane lists. Things on there, they don't exist. Like that person doesn't exist. They do exist if you are like a little bit out of it and really lonely. And you're like, yeah, that's them. That, they don't exist. But what do we do? Here's what we do. I think we've made this way more complicated than it is. We've made dating way more complicated and what you're looking for way more complicated because we've been like, you need to make your list and make sure he he's every single thing on that list or she is every single thing on the list. The problem is that list is not possible, A. And B, most of the time, we curve that list towards the things that don't matter. I'm a little bit okay with them not going to church because they're really hot. Right? I'm a little okay with them not having incredible integrity because what they make me feel inside. See, the idea of what you should be looking for is you're looking for someone to partner up for in life, not someone just to bring you pleasure. See, it used to be different. You would get married at like 18 years old with somebody in a five-mile radius. And life is hard, and so you would team up, and you would go, all right, as a team now, we are going to build the family. We're going to build the foundation. We're going to build the house. We're going to build the business. We're going to do all these things together. Now, what does it look like? Get all those things done first and then look. All of a sudden, we've had this idea that everything needs to be perfect and they need to be perfect before I decide to date them. And let me just say, that is way too much pressure. That is way too much pressure. If you're looking for someone that is the right kind of person, look for someone who serves. It's amazing to me how many people find each other through service. In fact, I've seen many people just in this room find each other through serving. I mean, it's something about service that makes you look at a person differently because they are literally exemplifying who Jesus was. I mean, I've seen people go on mission trips that have never liked each other. Then all of a sudden, she sees him holding an orphan, and he sees her doing something. Like, here's what's crazy. Like, on mission trips, like, half the time, the girls don't even bring hair dryers, deodorant, any of that stuff. But he looks across, and he sees her, and he's like, man, I never noticed her before. Kind of like that dirt on her face, and the smell's not that bad. On a side note, we are going, we're, we're going to talk about it next week. Well, we are going down to the uh, Mexico-United States border for our mission trip at the end of June. Um, we'll be talking about that later, and that will be an awesome opportunity to get signed up for. Um, not that that's going to be a thing where everybody is going to find their mate on that trip. Don't use that as that. That's not the idea. But here's the, like I said, we made it too complicated. And here's what we, the other thing that we've done. We've had this idea out there. Many people have said, oh, you've got to wait till you're this age to get married. Look, God is not against young marriage. It's not. And when I say young, I'm not talking about like two 16-year-olds who think they're in love. Okay? 
I'm talking about something more than that. I want to share with you guys some stats that they've proven to be right on the success of marriage in these things. And show it, go ahead and throw them up there. This is a 90 to 95% success rate in marriage. You're at least 21. You don't cohabitate before marriage. Let me just say something real quick. I know there's many of you in, you in here that are doing that. This is not me judging you or coming against you. It's the statistics that show that if you cohabitate before marriage, your divorce rate actually goes up to over 80%. Okay, there's something about cohabitating that is similar to marriage. It doesn't mean your marriage is going to fail. It just means you want to pay attention to what it's creating. Okay, number three, they're involved in church. That doesn't mean just going to church randomly. They're involved in church. They're serving in church. And any post-high school education, literally when I read the survey, it's like they took a semester of something, which I think everyone's done and given up. Um, And so, (laughs) guys, those four things. 90 to 95% success rate. 90 to 95. And here's, here's the reason why people don't like young marriage. Because normally, it's two kids getting together and saying, screw the world, we're going to get married. Right? It's normally all the parents are against it. Everyone's against it. We're like, but we're going to do what we want and we're in love. It's like, no, shut up. And so what do they do? They go get married. And what happens? Not everyone's for it. So when they go through all the tough times, who's there for them? No one. You need people in your life. And so if the parents are for it, if the people around you are for it, this is what you should be looking for. And let me just say this. If you've met the person you believe you're supposed to marry, please do not wait until everything gets done before marrying them. All that does is create confusion and anger and causes your relationship to go through harm. Okay? There are some things that, yes, you need to wait until that changes, but we put so many stipulations ahead of getting married that we think, oh, everything has to be in place. No, you can actually build something together. So how do you find that person? You look for those that are serving around you. And here's something that I've said before. Run as hard as you can after God and look to the person next to you. Run as hard as you can after God and look next to you or look around you. Find somebody else that is running just as hard after God. They don't have to be the same maturity as you, okay? They don't have to be as mature, but they are running. They are going after God. Let me just say this, and I am not sharing this as a blueprint for how to do relationships whatsoever. Um, But the way that Chrissy and I started our relationships, we were actually friends for a year and a half before then. And it wasn't that we decided just to do that. The reason was Chrissy was a brand new Christian and I was a pastor and I wanted to see who she was. And so I watched as she went through things. She went through trials. She dated other people. I dated other people. And by the end of a year and a half, you know what I saw? I saw someone that served. I saw someone that loved God. And someone that everyone around her said, she's the one for you. So we dated for three months and got married in three months. Why? Because it was easy choice. Everyone was on board. Everyone was good. I already saw who she was when the possibility of dating me wasn't even there. I'm not saying that's like a trophy or anything. I'm just saying. Because there's many times where people will go, well, I just want to see who they are. And you give them like a week and like, oh, they love Jesus. No, that week is not, no. But when you find that person, you should go that way. They don't need to be in the same place. They need to have the same pace that you do. And here's the problem that happens so many times, and I heard this from a comedian. I just think it's absolutely true. So many times, guys are like lions, all right? When they chase after girls, are they going after the antelope that's sprinting 
through the savannah. No, who are they looking for? They're looking for the damaged one. Please don't take offense to this. All right? Here's what I see so many Christian guys doing and guys in general. When they look out there and they see the girl that's like, I have my own job. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm doing so many great things. I've started this ministry. Everything's great. They're like, yeah, she's going kind of fast. (laughs) They look for the one that's hurting that's going, somebody, please hug me. I will love you. (laughs) Girls, you do the same thing. All right? You may not be looking for the hurt, damaged one, but you're looking for the one that has potential. And here, here's, let me say this in this. Some of you are going, but, but, you know, how do I know when they're there? Because I was having this conversation with one, one of the ladies that's in this group. It's like, should I be looking for someone? Like, should I compare them to guys that are way ahead of them? No, that's not the idea. Like, you, you can't compare a 25-year-old guy to one that's been married and is 40 years old. That's not fair. What you need to be looking is, are they moving? Are they moving? Too many guys are sitting in one place. As long as a girl comes around, they don't move. You're going to be like, but you have so much potential. I'm so happy you believe in me. But they do nothing. All right? So many times this is what happens. When we're looking for people, we look for the wounded ones. Let me just say this. Girls or guys, if you're in that position right now, please stop dating. If you're one of those people right now that you're sitting in a place and you're going, I am wounded, but you find yourself constantly bringing the opposite sex in to console you, stop dating and get healing. Okay? Because what, where you are at right now will only lead to more pain. It will only lead to more pain. See, I've never seen a divorce between two people that are recklessly going after God. Never seen it. Never seen it. And so when someone who is recklessly going after God approaches you, girls, if a guy comes up to you who is going after God and he asks you out, say yes. What's the worst that could happen? Well, don't go there. <laughs> and, and if you, it's not going to work out, tell him why. Not your face. Don't say that. If, if it's not that, just go, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Why? I'm just, it's not going to happen. Don't tell him that. That'd be messed up. Guys, if you see a girl going hard after God, ask them out. Here's what's great. You can go, man, I see you going after God right now. Pastor House said I should ask you out, so I'm just doing what he said. (laughs) And girls, understand this. Asking, a guy asking a girl out is absolutely terrifying, especially when you're in your amoeba group of other girls, (laughs) when half of them are mad that you're not approaching them. And they never let you in. So try, try your best to make yourself available to that. You're like, well, what if I'm not really attracted to them? What if attraction comes later? Look, this is what I see so many times. I see guys and their idea of what they should be seeking in a woman is based totally off looks. It's like, I want a trophy wife. No, you don't. You want something much more than that. You want someone to go to war with, not someone that looks good. Girls, if he picks you on looks alone, I'm pretty sure you can feel that. 
you don't need to be in that relationship because the rest of your life will be hell. Because your entire relationship and how much he loves you and how much affection he shows for you will be based off of your looks. It will get you in a place of constantly paying attention to the way you look. And even worse, you will get pregnant and feel bad about it. And let me just say this, guys. If your future wife, and listen to me on this, if your future wife feels the need to have major surgery so they can be appreciated by you, you're in the wrong place. I'm not saying I'm against plastic surgery. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, girls, if you're in a relationship where you feel that is, has to be on the table in order to keep him or him to love you, that is the wrong relationship. We should be going for so much more. We should be going for the right type of love because the wrong type of love always ends in hurt, always ends in pain, always ends in scars, always ends in a limp. It always puts us in the wrong place. And let me just say this. If you are in a relationship like that tonight, you should have the courage, and I'm praying for you to have the courage to get out of it. This is the reason people call me the killer of love every single time. I'm like, look, here's the deal. One, if you know it's the wrong relationship and you're not breaking up with them, you're selfish. Right? And if you know it's not the right relationship and you're, not refu- you're refusing to break up, you're also deciding it's okay to just be hurt. And here's the truth, and this goes for both sides. If you refuse to re- break up with the wrong person, how will you ever find the right person? Okay? <laughs> and if you refuse to bring up, break up with the wrong person, how will you ever find healing? It won't happen. If you are in here right now and you are walking, you're limping, you're scared, what you need to do right now is not run into another relationship. Your job right now is to run to God. Because that other relationship will give you a little sense of something being right but it will never bring you the love that only God can and teach you the right kind of love so that you can show it to your future spouse. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your love, the way you show it to us. God, I pray tonight that even though what was said was not an easy thing to hear, God, I pray that we would think about it. God, I pray we'd look to it. God, I pray that we would, one, ourselves become those that serve. And God, I pray that we would be looking for someone who serves. God, I pray we wouldn't settle for something less, that we would settle for someone who's godly. God, I pray for those that are hurting here tonight. God, I pray they would seek you. God, I pray they'd find community. God, if they need counseling, God, I pray they'd seek it out. If they need to be in freedom, God, I pray they would go into freedom. God, please don't allow them to go another day, another week, trying to heal themselves on their own. God, we thank you that you are there for us, that you want our marriage to be incredible, and that you're going to walk through the entire thing with us. God, we love you for that, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.